Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's uh, pretty excited to be up here. Um, if I could, I'm pretty nervous too. I ain't gonna lie. I'll be honest with you guys. We'll just very blunt start off with. Um, if I had to compare the emotions I'm feeling today, though, I probably would compare them to my wedding day. Um, super nervous, but super excited. Right? It's it's a big day. Um, it's been over six months since I preached in front of like a, a congregation. Um, in February, COVID shut down our church. Um, meet at the, in Woodland at the community center. And so the city, they kind of just shut us down, made us turn our keys in and everything. Um, but thankfully, you know, Charles invited, you know, introduced me to Kyle. Kyle was like, hey, you know, check us out kind of thing. And, you know, one thing led to another. And I guess next thing you know, I'm up here. So. Listen, and I was thinking, you know, because, you know, Generations has two services, one at 9.15, one at 10.45, and I, you know, I apologize for the first service, because, like, well, I'm going to have to knock some rust off, right? It's been a while. Well, I think I'm more nervous for the second service than I am for the first service, so I'm <laughs> apologizing to you guys, too, because I don't know how this one is going to go. The first one, you know, and this one, I'm not, no promises on anything. Um, but on a serious note, though, one thing that I've learned since I've been preaching, um, is that God is good, that God is here with us, God is for us, and that as long as his name is proclaimed and his word is spoken, then that's truly all that matters. Amen. Anything I say up here doesn't matter as long as God is proclaimed, and that's the only thing that matters. But before we get too deep into this, let's, uh, I'd like to say a quick prayer, so you guys bow with me. God, we thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning, to, whether it's online or, or in person, God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship together, to to dig deep into your word, to learn more about you, to grow closer to you. And God, we just ask that you touch our hearts this morning and that you just be with us as we go through this lesson today. And in your name, amen. So I'm going to be reading from Philippians 3. I'm going to be reading 7 through 14. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. So if you like, you can turn there. If not, I'm going to read them. Um, they should be popping up on the TVs back there. Um, like I said, I'm reading Philippians 3, 7 through 14. Kyle may or may not have stopped at 11. So we're just going to keep going three more verses. So if it stops on the screen, just keep going because we're going to keep rolling with it. Um, but before I read it, let's, let me kind of set the scene a little bit here. Chapter 3 speaks about Christ as the proper focus. Chapter 3 in the first half talks about the importance of righteousness through faith in Christ rather than works. And the second half, Paul talks about straining towards the goal of following Christ. So let's go ahead and read Philippians 3, 7 through 14. It says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What I want to know, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the, to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. It feels like Paul kind of here is saying a lot in these seven verses for a simple message. You know, that, that he's trying to pr- portray a simpler but meaningful point, but he kind of says a lot. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure the guy knew what he was doing, right? He's, he's in the Bible for a reason, right? He's probably pretty important. So I'm sure everything that he said in those seven verses is important, but it just kind of seems that way that he kind of said a lot for a little but meaningful point. But the message is clear, right? That even someone like Paul, who had many amazing credentials and accomplishments according to the Jewish tradition, but yet he said that none of those are worth anything compared to the fellowship with Christ. That no matter what, Christ is to be the sole focus of the believer, and then Paul tells us that he is straining toward the goal to be heavenward, and that we must be doing the same thing. To simplify this even more, I'm gonna, you know, or to put it into one little phrase or value, I would put it as progress over perfection. You know, and, and over the course of five weeks, you know, we're on week four to five. Here at Generations, we've been going over the, the values that Generations has, and the, you know, the value that I chose was progress over perfection. You know, that it's it's about trying to be better each and every day, and that it's not just some overnight success thing where everything becomes perfect overnight. And so now with that said, I just kind of want to spend some time with you guys and talk about some ways to make sure that we're imitating Paul and striving to make progress in our relationship with Jesus. There are three steps I think that we can take to make progress. And the first one is examine. We have to examine our lives and then examine what kind of progress we want to make. In 1 Timothy 4.8 it says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. We should want to make progress in our spiritual lives. Just like the scripture says that godliness has value for all things, holding promises for present and future life. And this is when we have to decide which life we want to progress, our worldly life or our spiritual life. Too many people get wrapped up into the world, you know, and they want to make progress in their worldly life, whether it's to have a ton of money, have a nice car, have a big house, wear the newest name brand clothes, having the newest updated electronics. I'll be honest with you guys, the new Xbox comes out in November. The price tag on that thing is pretty hefty. And so I'm I'm in this struggle right now. Am I going to drop this money for the Xbox or am I not? So pray for me because I'm leaning on buying that Xbox. I'm going to be honest with you. So I'm going to need you guys there. But we get so wrapped up in wanting all these new things and all these fancy things when ultimately all of those things either break, rust, or become outdated, and they ultimately mean nothing. But if we decide to focus on our spiritual lives and make progress, then we are committing to a much more promising and everlasting future, and that's heaven. That's eternal life with our Heavenly Father. And that is far more rich than anything that this world will ever have to offer. And just like Paul said in the scripture, that nothing we ever have or accomplish here on earth will ever compare to the value of knowing Christ. And one thing that I've actually noticed too is that when we become more focused on working on our spiritual lives and we become more spiritually whole as a person, that not only are we, you know, helping secure a better relationship with Jesus, but our lives as a whole here on earth become better as well. We become happier, we become more 
refreshed. So we first have to examine our life and where we want to focus and progress in. I'll be honest with you guys. That was awkward, okay? I always bring water up when I preach. Never take a drink, right? Because it's awkward. You guys just stared at me while I drank water. That was weird. I ain't doing that again. That was, that was whack. I ain't bringing water up ever again. The second thing that we need is execution. So first we examined our life, and we decided that we want to make progress in our spiritual lives. So the next step now is to execute that and make the progress actually work, right? We talked the talk. Now we got to walk the walk. The first way that we can progress is through worship. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I like to call myself a closet worshiper, okay? I'll sing. I'll do my thing during worship, but I don't clap. I don't put my hands up. I don't dance. I don't do any of those things, right? It's just not my thing. Reason being is because first service, Charles said clap. So I was like, okay, I'm clapping. Totally offbeat. I was that guy. So listen, perks are coming to both services. I thought I was going to redeem myself second service, right? Not even close. I am so bad when it comes to music stuff. It's, so I just put my hands in my pocket and I just did my thing during worship. Just silently, you know, was worshiping, going with it. But there's nothing wrong with the clapping or the raising of the hands or anything. I love seeing that. I love seeing people get so invested into worship because I know that they're strengthening their relationship with God. You know, that, that, that the worship is coming from the heart. And we would take our youth group, you know, we would take my youth group to Winter Jam every year, right? And that's this, this big Christian concert, like 10 or 12 bands. They have a speaker and everything. And the arena would go crazy, right? They'd, they'd be dancing, jumping, clapping, hands raised, you know, all these things, right? And this was the last year that we were going to go. And I made, I made a, a bad call. I mean, I made a lot of bad calls, but this one was probably top ten, right? I let the kids choose where we wanted to sit, right? Usually we sit up on the seats, so it's easy to keep them intact. You know, hey, when it's time to go, it's easier to get out. These guys were like, can we sit on the floor, please? And I was like, okay, whatever. It's the last one. I'm going to let you guys do what you want. Bad call. That's, I learned that day that that's why I'm the leader and I make the calls, right? Because I, I know what's best, okay? I've been through it, right? So... But I let them sit on the floor, right? I mean, we could touch the stage. We were pretty close. We were right there, okay? Well, it was Andy Mineo's turn to go up there, right? And he's a Christian rapper, and he, you know, I mean, he was getting the crowd hyped. Everybody was doing their thing. Well, I was just kind of standing there, right? I was doing worship the way that I do worship, right? And he stops, and in the middle, he points at me, and he says, you know you're at a concert, right? And I was like, yeah. You know, and he calls me out, and then it happens twice, right? The leader of, of uh, Newsboys, he says, do you know where you're at? And I said, yeah, I'm at Winter Jam. He's like, okay, then let loose. Act like you're at Winter Jam, then let's go. And I said, okay, you know, so. And then Lecrae jumped on next, you know, and he's another one. You know, he got the crowd hyped, he got the crowd going and everything, so I had to fake my way through the rest of the concert because I was terrified about being called out again in front of all these people, okay? You know, and then I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, how do they even see me? And all these people going crazy. How, how do they notice me? And then I realized I'm a 6'4 giant <laughs> amongst a bunch of kids. So I definitely stick out. I mean, this, this is it. What you see, this is basically what I wear every day. So this is it. He saw me no problem. But like I said, though, I'm a closet worshiper. And what I mean by that is if you get me in the car by myself, I'll just go hard. 
right? That is my time to worship, right? I'm steering wheel drums are being played. I don't even know how to play the drums. I'm just whacking my steering wheel, okay? Clapping, like getting into it, you know, everything's going good. Whatever's on the playlist that day, I'm just jamming out to, right? Sometimes I'll sleep with my wife in the car, okay? And then I got to, you know, tone it down a little bit because she does this thing where she likes to pull her phone out and record me. So then if I act up or if I do something that makes her mad, she says, hey, you want me to send this to everybody? She's like, I'll post this on Facebook. You want, you want the church people to see you do this? And I said, no. So then I got to, you know, apologize. And, and, you know, basically she puts me back in my place where I belong, where I should be in the first place. Um, so I got to be careful, though. But there's two completely different ways of worship, right? One where the person is just, you know, he's just there. He's just worshiping by himself. And then you have the other type where they're just really getting into it and they're having a good time. Both ways are different, but they both accomplish the same goal, and that's progressing our spiritual lives and progressing our relationship with Jesus. Graham Kendrick said that worship is God's enjoyment of us and our enjoyment of him. Worship is a response to the father-child relationship. Worship is key in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's a chance to show our, our thankfulness and appreciate, appreciation to him and it's a way for us to grow with him. The second thing we can do is pray. Prayer is our way to communicate with God. It's our, our way to voice our praise, our thanks, our problems, our concerns. It's a way to just vent and get things off our chest. It's a chance for us to just give it to God and let go. One of the things that I like to say is just to let go and let God. Just cast it all on God and let him deal with it, and you just trust in him and have faith that he's going to take care of it. It's funny because the first service, this table was empty. Ain't nobody, my family, my kids, they ain't come here to support me. They're like, whatever, we'll come 1045. 915 is way too early. So whatever, I better see you at 1045 then. And of course, of course, one of them texts me and says, hey, I'm going to be late. And I said, shocker, right? <laughs> but anyways, I'll ask one of the kids in the group to pray after youth group. You know, like we'll do the lesson and everything. I'll ask one of them to pray, right? Most of the time, I, if no one volunteers, I have one kid that I like to pick on, but sometimes I'll spread it around a little bit. And after I call on them, you know, like, hey, will you pray real quick, you know, to, to end group, you know, they'll give me this huge dramatic sigh, and then they'll roll their eyes at me and everything. And I'm like, okay, just do it, and once they're done being dramatic, then, you know, they'll pray. But typically their prayers are super quick, right? They'll say, thank you, God, for allowing us to have youth group. Thank you, God, for this, you know. Please be with everyone throughout the week. Amen. It's super quick, Right? Short and sweet to the point. You know, and sometimes I'll ask them, like, well, well, how come your prayer was so short? Like, what's, like, how can we make this better? You know, he's like, well, I just don't know what to say. Well, all you got to do is just talk to God. There's no need for us to be intimidated by God, you know? And, and if you really don't know what to say, then just look outside in the world. Look at what's going on. Pray for that. Pray for, for what you're worried about. Pray for yourself. Pray for your friends. Pray for what you're thankful for, pray for healing, pray for recovery. You know, there's so much that we can pray for. And God hears our prayers. But if we wait for the next person to pray, or if we wait for the minister or preacher to pray, because maybe we think that God only hears them because they're more holy than somebody else, then we're sadly mistaken. Jesus came for the sick and broken. So trust me when I say this, that he hears you when you cry out to him. That when you bow your head and you say, God, it's me again. He gets excited for that. He came to hear us. He wants to hear us. And so we need to pray so that we can make progress in our spiritual lives. 
but so that we can create change through our prayers as well. And plus, communication is key to a healthy relationship. So if we want to have a healthy relationship with God, we have to communicate with him. The next activity that we can do to progress is read our Bibles. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. Not a huge fan of reading. It's not my thing. I don't. In high school, if we had a book project, I'd just go online and go to Sparknotes. It would tell me what the book was about, and then I'd go from there. If I couldn't find anything on Sparknotes, I'm telling the person next to me, hey, keep your arm down. I'm trying to cheat. Usually, it would take some sort of a bribery, so I'd have to give them a couple bucks or whatever, but hey, I graduated, so that's all that matters, right? <laughs> but I'm going to say this, though, and I actually, you know, I, I'm going to promise you guys this, is when you open your Bible and you start reading, you'll get so immersed into the story of God and so immersed in the story of Jesus that you're not going to want to put it down. You'll be filled with love, truth, knowledge, and so much more when you decide to read your Bible. But here's the thing, though. In order for us to have that experience, to experience those kind of emotions, we have to make sure that we understand what we're reading. You know, and it, and it happens and it's going to happen where, where you're reading your Bible and you quite don't understand what it's meaning or what it's saying. And instead of that, you know, putting us off and not wanting to to read the Bible anymore, it should make us want to immerse ourselves even more into the scripture. It should make us want to study it even more to understand what it means. You know, and, and if you still don't get it even after studying, then, then ask somebody. Go to somebody and say, hey, can you help me understand this? You know, and, and if, if that person doesn't understand, then go to the next person. And go to the next person after that. Because guess what? You just started this whole chain where now all these people will get to understand what the Bible means. And I'm telling you right now that God's word is real. It's deep, it's meaningful, it's instructional, and it's a huge step in our progress of being better spiritually and better in our relationship with Christ. And the last one that I want to share with you is to fellowship with one another. To start off by saying that I don't think I'd be in ministry right now if it wasn't for my old minister. You know, that, that yes, God obviously plays a part in my ministry. You know, I wouldn't be up here if it wasn't for God. You know, that's... That's a gimme. That's obvious. But if it wasn't for my old minister investing his time into me like the way that he did, I would have never have seen that my calling was to be in ministry. I was that delusional high school you know, kid. I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player, professional basketball player or something. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> that's not the case. Okay. That's just not how it works out. That's not life. Not everybody makes it, right? But because of the fellowship that he had with me, I was able to see what my true calling was. I was able to see that there is a God out there that loves me, that cares for me, and that he sent his son to die for me. I want to share an illustration with you guys. It says, in the fall of the year, Linda, a young woman, was traveling alone up the rutted and rugged highway from Alberta to, U to the Yukon. Linda didn't know that you don't travel to Whitehorse alone in a run-down Honda Civic, so she set off where the only, only four-wheel drives normally venture. The first evening, she found a room in the mountains near a summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call so she could get an early start. She couldn't understand why the clerk looked surprised at the request, but she awoke to the early morning fog shrouding the mountaintops. She understood. Not wanting to look foolish, she got up and went to breakfast. Two truckers invited Linda to join them, and since the place was so small, she felt obliged. Where are you headed, one of the truckers asked. Whitehorse. 
In that little Civic, no way. This pass is dangerous in weather like this. Well, I'm determined to try it, was Linda's gutsy, if not very informed response. Then I guess we're just going to have to hug you, the trucker suggested. Linda drew back. There's no way I'm going to let you touch me. Not like that, the truckers chuckled. We'll put one truck in front of you and one in the rear, and that way we'll get you through the mountains. All that foggy morning, Linda followed the two red dots in front of her and had the reassurance of a a big escort behind as they made their way safely through the mountains. Caught in the fog in our dangerous passage through life, we need to be hugged with fellow Christians who know the way and can lead safely ahead of us and with others behind gently encouraging us along, we too can pass safely. Amen. Christians need one another as we venture through this Christian walk. It's a journey that we need to take hand in hand together. You know, and the nice thing with this is that we have several different ways where we can fellowship together. We got church, we have youth group, um, generations offer this thing called community groups, uh, we, there's camps, there's retreats, you know, lunches, dinners, sports. I mean, just about anything can be fellowship. And in Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. We know that when we fellowship together, that God is there with us that we are growing together in God because of the fellowship that we have. God puts people in our lives to fellowship with us, to help us and build us, protect us and love us. God shows himself through people, and that is why we need fellowship. And in order to ensure progress, we need to make sure that we are executing on these things. The third thing that we need for progress is exhaustion. We need to exhaust our energy. So basically what I'm saying is that we have to work hard at making progress. And it's not going to come easy. It's going to take a lot of hard work. You know, and I think people sometimes have the wrong idea about being a Christian. That it's all butterflies and rainbows. And once you're baptized, you know, not only are you saved now, but my life is going to be perfect. That's not quite how it works. But I was that person in high school. When I went to a lock-in one night, I got baptized because everyone else was. I said, hey... This looks kind of fun. Dunk me. Whatever. So what happens is I go down, I come back up, stressing because I was a big boy back then. I still am, I guess. Whatever. But I was a big boy. I was like, hopefully he's going to be able to pick me up out of this water. I don't want to die. It really it's a, goes up to like your waist. I could just stand up if I needed to. But I, you know, you know, I was just heat of the moment kind of thing, right? And so I got baptized, and I was like, sweet. Not only am I saved to this God that I barely believe in because I'm only getting baptized because everyone else is. But now my life is going to be perfect. I ain't going to have no more problems. It's quite the opposite, right? Next thing, you know, that lock-in ends. Next thing I know, my grandpa dies. You know, school isn't going as good. Like, all these things started to happen. It's because I thought I was on this, this, you know, fire for God, you know, and I, and I thought that, you know, things were going to go perfect and everything was going to be fine, and that's when Satan attacks us the most is when we think that we're on fire for God, that things are going to go good, and then, bam, Satan's like, oh, check yourself, because this just happened, right? And the real work begins once you make that decision to be baptized and walk with God. Being a Christian is a, is a constant work and a constant battle. It's progress over perfection. It's about working to be better each and every day and working hard until the day our Savior comes back to get us so that we can rest. People would tell me, you know, all the time that you can rest when you die. To work hard now, and it'll pay off in the end. 
And that's the truth, and it's even true when it comes to our spiritual life. We should work now and work hard now each and every day so that when it's time for us to be called home to have eternal rest with our Lord and Savior, that we get to have that peace, that we get to have that rest, that we fought the good fight, that we kept the faith that we needed to. And that's kind of the nice thing with exhausting our energy on our spiritual life because usually if our spiritual life is good and we're working hard on that, then we actually feel better as a whole, that we feel refreshed as a whole and it makes us want to keep pushing. Before COVID hit and, and shut you know, everything down, I started kickboxing classes with my cousin, right? It's, long story short, I haven't been to the doctor in like 10 years or so, okay? My mom, my wife, super concerned. Hey, you got a kid now? It's time to get your priorities straight. I said, okay, whatever. Went to the doctors. The doctor's like, hey, man, you need to lose some weight. Obviously, thanks. <laughs> whatever, dude. Did my thing. And so, you know, my cousin's like, hey, I'm going to start kickboxing classes. You should come. I said, okay, dude, whatever. I'll try it, right? So we got a week into it, and uh, then COVID hit and shut everything down. Let me tell you, I felt like a deadly weapon after one week. <laughs> one week of kickboxing classes, you come at me, I'm just saying you're getting taken down, okay? <laughs> right? I'm just kidding. That's, that's, listen, I'm big, but I'm a lover, not a fighter. Trust me. It's, it was actually, it was, it was pretty embarrassing because, quick story, okay, about the class. So one time, like, the, you know, there's the instructor, and uh, my cousin's girlfriend actually went. And so, for whatever reasons, I was partners with her. Well, she, like, goes up to my shoulders and probably weighs 100 pounds if she's lucky. And the instructor was like, hey, you know, throw punches and, and move, you know. So we thought, like, constant movement. So we're spinning in class, trying to throw punches at each other, stopping, like, every two or three minutes because we get way too dizzy, right? And, and she's like, there's no way we're doing this, right? I was like, probably not. I'm about to puke because I'm so dizzy. So we look over, and what's happening is he wants you to throw, like, a one-two combo and then, like, take a couple steps around, not constantly going in a circle. <laughs> and the worst part about it is, is the instructor didn't even say anything. He was probably just sitting in the corner laughing at us because we looked like idiots, just spinning and throwing random punches at each other. It was rough. But let me, but let me say this, though. We would finish the workouts when we, when we would go for that week. And, and, and as tired as I would be, as exhausted I, was be, I would be, I actually felt more energized for the day. To, to start my day off with a workout like that, for whatever reason, it just made my body want to keep going. It made my body want to keep pushing. And that's the same way with our spiritual lives. If we start our day with God, if we start our day spiritually, then it sets us up for the rest of the day. The more we focus on God, the more better and energized that we will feel. So, so far, things have been pretty good, right? We've talked, you know, about making progress. Things look pretty good. But there's one thing that we have, to, we have to watch out for when it comes to making progress, and that's the plateau. Now, I'm sure it's something that we've all probably been through, and if it's not, I'm sure at one point you'll end up going through it. And the plateau is when you're doing super good, you're making great progress, and then you kind of just stop. It just kind of flattens out, right? And it's, you know... And we, and we lose that progress, and, you know, the problem with that, obviously, is when we plateau, we're not making progress. And typically, shortly after that, if we don't fix the plateau, it can start to become a downward trend, and things can completely fall apart. So then that brings the question, how do we prevent the plateau, or how do we get out of the plateau? Keep working would be the simple answer, right? 
Just start again and start making progress. It's not as easy as that, though. It's a little more complex. In order to break the plateau, we first have to get on fire for God. We need to get excited about God again. You know, and, and that's what causes the plateau in the first place, is that we lose that fire for God. We lose our passion for God. We lose that desire to want to be close with him and work on our progress. We would take um, the youth group kids to winter retreat and to weekend camp down at um, Yam Hill. Um, it's definitely one of the best weekends of the whole year. It's one of my favorite spots. Um, I actually proposed to Amanda there. Um, Kyle said don't change anything when you preach it twice, but he also said to not pick on my wife as much. So I don't know if I'm going to share this part, but you know what, I'm going to just go for it, because who cares, right? So I proposed to her there, right? It almost didn't happen, but I'm going to save the story, and if I ever get to preach again, I'll preach on stubbornness, and I'll tell you guys that story. <laughs> but it's definitely, KBM Hill is one of the best places to go to. You have zero cell phone service, you have no contact with the outside world, and the entire weekend we're just solely focused on God. Whether it's through worship, whether it's through small groups, whether it's just fellowship and playing games, or listening to the lesson for the day. Whatever it is, it was all about God 24-7. And the thing that's nice with that is it's, it's a good way to start the fire. It gets the fire for God going, but the worst part about that is you always have to go home. Is you have to start heading back to the world where you have the cell phone service, where you have the temptations of the world trying to put your fire out. So in order to keep that fire going, we have to completely immerse ourselves in God. We have to keep God in our lives daily, and everything we do has to be God-centered. We put God in every part of our day, and that's how we keep the fire going. And we do this, that's when the progress can continue to happen. And I know it may seem hard to do, and it may you know, seem like a lot of work, but remember, we talked about exhausting our faith. But... Let me simplify it for you, right? Because work smart, not hard, right? It's a saying for a reason. So let's, let's try to simplify this. How can we keep the fire going? All we really need to do to keep our fire going is to turn back to God. When the world comes at us, when the world is pulling us away from God, when temptations are clouding our judgment, are clouding our eyes, and we can't see God, all we have to do is turn around to him, and we'll see him with open arms waiting for us to accept him. I work at a pizza shop in Woodland for about four or five hours a day, about five to six days a week, right? And one thing that gets me, that makes me excited to go back home is when I get to see my wife and my daughter. And, you know, Genesis will either be playing or, or doing something because we're trying to get her tired before bed so that it's easier for Amanda to put her to bed. But once she realizes that I'm home and she sees me, she kind of like lets out this half scream, half grunt thing. It's kind of like a, ooh. Like some weird little noise, right? And, and, you know, we'll trade a couple of those back and forth, right? You know, I'll tell her how my day was. She'll tell me how her day was. And then she gets a big old smile on her face, and then she just comes crawling right after me. And I pick her up, and I give her a big hug, give her a kiss and everything, and she's just so happy to see me. And it's the same way. I'm just so excited to see her. And God is the same way. He gets so excited. He gets so happy when we go back to him. When we turn back to God... And we should be just excited to go back to God to light that fire so that we can have the progress. So progress over perfection. 
It's the idea that being a Christian is a lifelong journey and not something that we choose to be, and the next thing we know, our lives are going to be perfect. You know, and to understand that it truly is progress over perfection. It's about being better each and every day and not being this perfect person. And that's the message that we need to portray to other people. You know, people who don't know God or who haven't heard about God think that you have to be this perfect person to follow God. That it's about not messing up, that it's about being, you know, perfect. And that's the exact opposite. God, like I said, God came for the broken. Jesus came for the broken. So he looks for us. And so when we go to him, that's when we can make progress, and that's the message that we need to relay. Now, if anything and everything I've said this morning has made absolutely no sense, and trust me, it could happen, there's a very good chance that it does happen, just hear this last part for me. In order to make meaningful progress, all we have to do is just focus solely on Jesus, and he will help us accomplish that progress. Will you guys pray with me? God, we again just thank you for who you are, for being a God that is loving and caring, for a God that that is forgiving and almighty. God, we just ask that you give us the strength and encouragement to to be better, to want to be in a better relationship with you, to, to strive for that progress over perfection, to be better each and every day. And God, I ask that you just please be with those who need you um, and be with the wild you know, fires and all that stuff, Lord, and just heal our land and, and help us to focus on you during these tough times. In your name, amen.